0: Alright! Well, uh, again, if I haven't got a chance to meet you, uh, my name is Brian Wiles. I'm the lead pastor here, and uh, during the summer, it gives us an awesome opportunity to get to hear from different guest speakers or people that are uh, we are raising up as pastors. And uh, so Steve actually is a great friend of ours. He works with the North American Mission Board, and he's really a regional church coach. And uh, we've learned a lot from him uh, as somebody who's invested in us on a local level. And uh, he came and spoke earlier in the summer. And back by popular demand, I don't know if we've ever had a guest speaker back twice in one summer. So back by popular demand is Steve Long. You guys can give him a round of applause. Thank you, Brian. I thought maybe I was one of those you're raising up, and I appreciate that. And actually, uh, I hope that I'm always one of those that you're raising up. I hope that I always stay in that mode of learning and and growing. So it is good to be back with you. And, and, and uh, as I've said before, it's one of my favorite places to come and just hang out. And um, as I was telling someone earlier, I am so grateful that H2O lets me be a part of what they're doing and uh, be a part of their work. And it's just exciting uh, to be here and to be a part of uh, what god is doing in and through this and jack thank you for the testimony what an incredible work god is doing through your life and that you're a part of this and and uh and and this next adventure uh god is going to do an incredible work in and through you guys immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine this that's one of my favorite verses and i, I just can't uh, wait to see what happens and uh, for another guy in the 50s i i'm glad uh that that excites me yeah There's hope. So, also, I'm excited uh, because we continue in the study in Psalms, and, and I think we're getting ready to wind it up uh, here a little bit, and one of my favorite books, uh, Psalms, and so we're going to be in Psalm 104 today, uh, but uh, Psalm 100, 300, 400, 500, those are some of my favorite places to go, uh, but the, the book of Psalms is just so rich, and, and I'm glad that you've taken time this uh, summer to spend some time with it, because we learn a lot from uh, the book of Psalm, the psalmist and the other writers there, as they give us really a, a pretty raw, unfiltered look into their own lives, a very transparent look at what's going on with them, but then their, their deep understanding about who God is. And, and as our worship leader uh, uh, shared with us about Psalm 23, what, one of those great psalms, and understanding that, that we have a good shepherd. And, and I love that psalm because uh, really all we need to know about that, the Lord is my shepherd and if we, If we learn that we 've got it, we really do have it. Uh, but these psalms are so powerful and can be so meaningful and 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 that is why so many books of devotions and meditations and things like that are written on this and And I will tell you from my own life, I turn to them. Uh, This is like comfort food to me. I mean, do you have that comfort food for you? Uh, uh, You know, I I don't know what you eat for comfort food, but there's certain things in my life that I turn to. Uh, Pasta's one of those things. Uh, You know, fried chicken's another one of those things. I've not mentioned anything healthy yet, you know. Uh, butter pecan ice cream that 's like medicine to me, you know when, when you're when you 're down and out now, I am not recommending any of that, uh, as you can see, I am not a health expert uh, so uh, but you know the, the psalms is kind of like that it 's comfort food, and sometimes when we 're going through some difficult times, we need that comfort, and we need something that 's going to recenter us and that, and that takes us back so that we understand. Indeed, that the Lord is our shepherd, I shall not want, as it was for me, even just a, a few weeks ago, uh, and, and this happens, and this happens in life, uh, but in the evangelical world, we had a, an event happen, and, and, and for the most part, a lot of people didn 't know that it even took place, but there was an interview that took place with a, a prominent contemporary theologian and and in that interview, he made a, a little statement that just kind of turned the evangelical world upside down for a few days. And, and really over the span of just about 48 hours, it came and went, and, and on the blip of a world history, it, it, will, it will mean nothing. And, it, and 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 for most of us we don't we wouldn't even know that it existed but in my world because of the type of things that I do and the people that I interact with or that I interact with it, it had an impact on, and even in 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 my life I, I joined in on the conversation of that and, and and what ended up happening in the span of about 48 hours incredible things were said and, and these were people within the kingdom and what disturbed me about that is that over a, a comment that was made, over something that was stated, and, and I think we ought to be able to talk about those kind of things, uh, but some really ugly things got said. And even by close friends of mine, colleagues of mine, and, and you know how this works, you start getting messages into your inbox, you know, uh, on, on Instagram, Facebook, uh, all of those uh, social medias, and, and by the end of 48 hours, I was, I was amazed at colleagues of mine, friends of mine, people that I sit across the table with, had drawn lines in the sand after throwing barbs at one another about this very issue. And I thought, what happened to us about being mature and Christian, about being able to deal with these matters? And what happens in my life when those type of things take place, what I tend to do is I tend to withdraw. I very much become like a turtle. I'm going into the shell. I just want to ignore it. I think I'm not participating in it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to discuss it. I'm going to wait till this just blows over. In fact, it's on those days that where I say in my life, as it says on your outline, what I want to be is I think this would be a good day to be a monk. In fact, I've even picked out where I'd like to be a monk. It's the abbey in Monte Cassino in central Italy. I believe we've got a picture of it. Is that not a beautiful place? You ought to see the garden. This is a, a Benedictine monastery. It's in central Italy. It's in the Tuscany Valley. Now, I've not been to this particular abbey, but I've been in the Tuscany Valley. By the way, they, it is known for their beef. And when you order a steak in a restaurant there, you usually get a four-pound steak served to you. <laughs> Did I say comfort food? I could, this is a place I could go, I could retreat, I could, I could pull away, and, and in all seriousness, I have these thoughts that this would be a good day just for me to go and hide away and, 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 and become a, a monastic and pull away from the world and spend my days just reading and praying. But there's an issue with that. I'm not sure they let me take April with me. That's my wife, who I've been married to for 35 years. And it's not going to work out too good when we do that. Although she would love this garden as well. She's shaking her head, yes. Love to go see it. And all of a sudden I start thinking, that's not what God's called me to do. And not only would they not let me take my wife of 35 years, they wouldn't let me take my son of 20 uh, with me, who is a blessing. And all of a sudden I I start to realize in my shell when I withdraw and I become very self-focused when I do that, right? because I'm thinking about who? Me, when I do that. Is I forget to start thinking about what God has done in my life. And all of a sudden I start thinking about, well, God really has richly blessed me. And I think about the wife that he's given me of 35 years. And we're thinking about 35 more if we live that long. Who knows? I mean, we got married pretty young. So we could do that, and I think about the blessing of the son that he's given me, and I, and I think about the blessing of the healing of cancer that he's brought in my life. I think I've shared with this group before, but December 1978 was the last chemotherapy treatment I had of being healed of bone cancer, which uh, I still love. I just went to a new doctor, and, and they, they'll ask me, well, what kind of cancer do you have? And I tell them, Ewing sarcoma, and they say, isn't that bone cancer? And they, I go, yeah, and they, they look at me like, why are you alive? I go, let me tell you about that. And I believe while medication was a tremendous help in that, I believe God had a specific purpose. And so I start to think about God at work in my life and these blessings that he's brought to me. And and then what I start to do is I start to poke my head back out and I start to realize I don't need to be a monk, but what I need to do is I need to think about the things that God has done, and and I need to think about His work, not only in my life, but in, in this world. And so I turn to the Psalms to be reminded just about how great God is. I need to be reminded about how great my Father is. I need to get my eyes off of me and the situation around me, and I need to turn my focus toward Him. And Psalm 104 is one of those that start, and and those first five verses are, are so rich. It says, let all that I am praise the Lord. O Lord, my God, how great you are. You are robed with honor and majesty. You are dressed in a robe of light. You stretch out the starry curtain of the heavens. You lay out the rafters of your home in in the rain clouds. You make the clouds of your chariot. You ride upon the wings of the wind. The winds are your messengers. Flames of fire are your servants. You place the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. I love that verse. You placed the world on its foundation so it would never be moved. Guess who's in control of all things? God. We can get so wound up and we can get so caught up in the situations and the messiness of life sometimes that we forget that God really is in control. And as we're going to see here that He has created all things And He is behind all things. And what we need to learn to do is really trust Him in the midst of all things. And we need to know that we are in His care. God has put this into motion. And He says He has placed it, and He has created the foundation, and it shall not be moved. One of the things I love is what is written over in in the New Testament in John chapter 10. Uh, and I, I love these verses as, a, as John writes and he's trying to encourage us with the understanding as followers of Christ. And he says, As my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and He is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand The Father and I are one. So the same God that laid the foundation of the world so that it would never be moved has now taken me, one of his followers, someone who has professed him as the Savior of my life, one who has confessed him as the Lord and King, one who has surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and has placed me in his palm. And I want you to get this picture, of what God, the one who has created the world, the one who has laid the foundation of the world so that it would not be moved, he has closed his hand, and there is nothing more powerful than him, and nothing can snatch him out of my hand. Now, I, I could right now, and, and I could ask one of your strongest guys right here to come up. And even on my weak arm, try to open my hand. I'm telling you, we would go to the ground. And there would be clawing and scratching, and there would be I would be bloody. But I'm telling you right now, they would have a hard time opening my hands. I may break fingers before they get my hand open. That's how strong we can be with a clenched fist. I want you to think about your father holding you in the palm of His hand. That's incredible security. That's an incredible place to be. You know, all of a sudden, the turtle head starts to come out. We start to look around, and we start to see the wonderful works of God. And as we take that and we start to look around and we understand how, how secure we are in God, we start to look at, at what He's done. And, and all of a sudden, we now are standing in awe of the works that He's done. And, and if you work down through Psalm 104, what that is is a litany of His creation, of how He's put everything into motion, how, he's, how He makes the grass to grow, how, how He provides the water, how He provides food for every living thing. And one of the verses that I love is verse 30. He says, when you gave them your breath, life was created. And it's in this moment that I become absolutely amazed at my God. And I stand in absolute amazement. And so what causes me to come out of my shell and what causes me now to to start following my God again because of the blessings in my life... All of a sudden something happens within me and I start and I see God in all of His splendor and all of His glory and I understand who He is uh, for for not what He's done but just because of who and what He is uh, uh, of His very nature and His very character His very makeup. And all of a sudden something happens within my life. I no longer want to follow Him because of what He's done in my life. I've moved beyond this being about me and about the selfish side of me, but now I stand in awe and wonder of God and I want to pursue Him, a relationship with Him, and serve Him just because of who He is. The songwriter really did get it right, not because of what you've done, but because of who you are. But to get there, we have to become people who are in awe of God. We have to be amazed by him. We have to stand in absolute wonder of him. And we have to be like the psalmist who, who picks it up in verse 31. We have to, we have, to have a heart, you know, when, when it says uh, at the beginning, let all that I am praise the Lord. He comes back in verse 31, and after he describes all of this creation, he, he crescendos there in verse 31 when he says, May the glory of the Lord continue forever. The Lord takes pleasure in all that he has made. The earth trembles at his glance. The mountains smoke at his touch. I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will praise my God at my last breath. May all my thoughts be pleasing to Him. What I'm going to do, I'm going to sing to Him as long as I live. As long as I have breath, I will praise Him. I will not only praise Him, but now I'm going to serve Him. See, I'm not going to be a monk. I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to love Him, not because of what He's done, I'm going to love him for who he is, and I'm not going to retreat. I'm going to engage because of who he is. I want you to consider as we've thought and and looked and, and, and considered his creation, I want you to think about his greatest creation. and By the way, that's you and I. No greater part of creation than you and I. I mean, the only part of creation that he's sent someone to die for, which would have been his son, amen, is you and I. He loves us that much that he let his son die for us to pay the price for our sin. You are his crowning glory. If there's ever any doubt, if you're ever having a bad day, if you ever need any comfort food, you think about that. Just look in the mirror and say, I am God's crowning glory. It's a good thing. But I want to take you back to that beginning. And as we consider God's work in creation, I want you to think about uh, his first creation when he created Adam and Eve. And what it says in Genesis is he created them in what? His image. You and I are created in the image of God. We are to be his image bearers. And if we are to be his image bearers, we are to be like God. We are to be like him in his character, in his nature, in all that he does. As we understand the New Testament, we're to be Christ-like. As followers of Christ, if we're going to bear the name Christian, we are to be uh, like Jesus Christ. I want you to consider what would have happened if Adam would have lived up to being an image-bearer of God. When the temptation came to him. When Eve brought him the fruit, the, when the serpent came and beguiled him and, and tempted him, what if, what if Satan would have, or I mean, what if Adam would have stepped up to the plate and he says, no, I am created in God and my God is greater than this temptation. And as his image bearer, I can have nothing to do with this evil. And because my God will strengthen me and because my God will give me the strength, I will say no to this. What, can you imagine, can you start, can your mind start to consider The implications of that? I I mean, you know, if Eve's standing there, Eve's thinking there would be no pain in childbirth. How many women here are saying, yeah, i vote for that? Can you consider the fact of what they might consider? There would have been no murder of Abel. They would have not lost one of their sons. Not only lost one son, but they really lost two sons that day because the brother that killed him, Cain, was banished from them forever. The biggest implication is sin would not have entered the world. And I know we're all sitting here saying, but that's how it happened. And we know that that's the story. But I'm saying to you, it didn't have to happen. Adam could have chosen to be the image bearer of God and say no. But in that moment, he chose something to be bigger than God. And in our lives... We need to realize that we can say no. We are the image bearers of God. And here's the nature I want us to pick up on that. Even though Adam failed, and even though that we fail, God didn't retreat. God immediately set in a process for redeeming that which was lost. Because sin did enter into the world, mankind fell, and we needed redemption, did we not? And sometimes when we get to this part of the story, we immediately go to the prophets. So we start with Abraham, we work through Moses, and we start working our way all the way up to Jesus Christ. But I think it happens much earlier than that. In fact, if you go back to Genesis 3.15, this is what God says to Eve. He says, I will sharpen the pain of your birth, and in pain you will give birth. You know, God could have at that moment just kind of wiped it all out and started over again, couldn't he? And and to be honest with you, if I'm God, that's what I'm doing. Aren't you glad I'm not God? But God doesn't give up on who and what he's created. He doesn't give up on what he's given breath to, what he's given life to. He continues to pursue that which he's given life to because he loves what he's given creation to. And what he says to Eve, I'm going to now partner with you. Isn't that incredible? God could have done his own creation. I mean, we know that he did that with Adam and Eve, right? He didn't need them to bring them forth. But he says to Eve, I'm going to partner with you, and you're going to bring the next life. You're going to, you and Adam are going to be responsible for now multiplying the earth. That's an incredible story to me. And if you go on over to Genesis chapter 4, Eve gives us testimony, God gave me another son. Eve understands this partnership with God, and she gives God the credit and the glory for this at the birth of Seth. And all through the rest of the Old Testament, we see God now in partnership with us. And we see that culminate in these wonderful verses in partnership in the New Testament When we read in the Gospel of Luke and Matthew and that that tremendous Christmas story where it says uh, when another uh, young lady gives birth, her name's Mary, a virgin gives birth uh, to a, a young baby named Jesus, and it says of his life, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, what? Will never end. The earth will never be moved. From the Psalms to the New Testament throughout all eternity, God is in control. The earth laid on its foundation shall not be moved. He brings forth a Savior who raises us up to bring us back into fellowship with Him and tells us that if we are become followers of Him, to become His image bearers, we can be part of a kingdom that will never end. And it's all because he will save people from their sins. I am so grateful today that we understand the Father did not retreat. The Father didn't go into a turtle shell. We shouldn't either. In fact, if I understand things right about uh, H2O Bowling Green, your mission says this. There's three words that kind of describe who you are. Engage, inform, inspire. Aren't you supposed to engage the community and the campus? We're to be on mission. Aren't you to inform them of Christ? And the way that we inspire them, we inspire them by engaging them to change the world. That's huge, isn't it? That's big. And I like a church that thinks big. We can change the world. Engage, inform, inspire. I like what John Wesley says. Give me ten people who hate sin and love God, and we can change the world. I want to give you Steve Long's version of that. Drop the sin part. All kind of heresy just fell in here, didn't it? Because here's what I want to say to you. If I have ten people who will just sell out and love God, we will change the world. And let me give you a little understanding of that. We sometimes get so caught up in trying to define sin and what that is and a list of that that we get stuck there. If we get 10, if we get just a handful who will sell out to God, who will love love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength, truly surrender their lives, sin will take care of itself. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction. The Holy Spirit will work that out in your life, and you will surrender those things in your life. But God has got to reign supreme in your life, and that can't be somebody that retreats. It's got to be somebody that says, I'm going to be on mission. It's got to be somebody that's going to say, I'm going to love God just because of who he is. And it's got to be somebody that's going to say, I'm going to engage. I'm going to engage. And that type of person will help us to turn the world truly upside down. As we come to the end of this study on Psalm, would you be that kind of person? Would you be a person that would be on mission, that would love God and never retreat, but move forward? Would you pick up this mantle of engage, inform, inspire, and let's change the world? I believe it's incredible. I believe God will be honored, and I believe it can take place. I believe it can take place first in your life. He can do incredible things. They can take place in this body, in this community, and in this world. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this time to share this word this year, this challenge. And Father, I pray that we will be a people who respond to you by being a people who will not retreat because of the messiness of life and the concerns of the world and being focused on self. But will recognize the Heavenly Father that we have that loves us immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine one that sent his son to die for us to forgive us of our sins and to give us a new life a life and a kingdom that will never end father I pray that uh, we will be a people who will know that we need to be salt and light in this dark world because there's many that need to hear this message and that we will never retreat but that we will go and we will engage and we'll take the hope that we have Let us grow in that hope. Let us mature in that hope. And Father, may the world be a better place because we live this hope out. Father, be glorified as we surrender our lives to you, people on mission, a people that love you, and a people who engage. In Jesus' name I pray.